0: Well, hey there everyone, I'm Daniel Hahn and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church and this is our podcast. And I just wanna thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now let's get into the message. How many of you know that our nation needs revival? It needs an awakening We need fresh oil. We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But in order to get that, I believe the church needs to be hungry. We've been in a season where it seems like the enemy is working overtime, but God is still on the throne, church. And I've got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. You see, it doesn't really matter what happens because for the believer, it doesn't matter what is going on in this crazy world that we are living in because our home is not an earthly home. The worst that Satan can throw at us is death. But I believe, I remember a passage of scripture that goes something like this. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I want you to be reminded today that our circumstances may look bleak, but if you are a child of the Most High God, they pale in comparison to the reward that you will receive on that day. So don't lose heart. Some of you may have heard that my aunt passed away this week, and it has been an emotional roller coaster all week long, not knowing what's going to happen. And so this message kind of comes out of one of, those, one of those seasons of your life where it seems like you just have to throw up your hand and say, God, what are you doing? What, what, what's going on during this time? She was on life support and was unresponsive for a week. We had multiple tests done and they all confirmed there was little to no brain activity. And I'm gonna tell you that it's a hard decision to look the doctor in the eye and say, remove them from life support. Because it feels like in the natural, you are giving them permission to kill your loved one. But let me tell you, while it may have felt like that in the natural, in reality, we were setting her soul free to be where it rightfully belonged. Whoa. So today I want to preach along these lines, peace in the midst of trials. If you lived any length of time, you know that trials are going to come. We are promised that trials will come. But I'm so thankful that even in the midst of trials, we are also promised that there will be one beside us to walk alongside us through those trials and those difficult times. How many of you know that sometimes life doesn't seem fair? Sometimes we feel all alone in the midst of our trials, but I want you to be reminded today, brothers and sisters, You have someone standing beside you that is able to walk right over top of every problem you will ever face. And when you allow that to sink into your heart and into your soul and into your mind, then you will have peace even in the midst of your trials. I want to preach today from Leviticus chapter 1. Now, don't sigh when I say Leviticus, okay? I believe the entire Word of God, it can be used for instruction. Um, You know, whenever you read, if if you ever question what, Christ did for us on the cross? Does it really make a difference? Go back and read the entire book of Leviticus. I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad I'm on this side and not in the Old Testament days, because I'm going to tell you something. Reading the book of Leviticus, you realize that Jesus saved us from a whole lot. He saved us from a whole lot, church. So I'm very thankful for that today. Leviticus chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord and Aaron's sons. The priests shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offerings and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priest shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat on the wood that is on the fire on the altar, but its entrails and its legs, he shall wash with water and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Now look at Leviticus chapter two, verse five. And if your offering is a grain offering baked on a griddle, it shall be of fine flour, unleavened, mixed with oil. So in both of these instances, we see that the offering is in pieces. How many of you know that sometimes it feels like our life is in pieces? It's just torn apart. Today, I believe God wants to speak peace to those pieces that are in your life today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, lead us, feed us. Guide us. Use me. Help us mature in you. Send the fire and have your way. We invite you here into this place. And God, I thank you for your presence that was with us in the eight o'clock service. I thank you, Lord, for what you did and what you continue to do. God, I pray that you would do the same, if not even more, in the 10 o'clock service here, Lord. Father, we lift up pastor to you and we ask you to mask any pain that he is feeling today. And God, I believe you are still a miracle working God. And so, God, I just want to pray that you would just dissolve that kidney stone sitting in his kidney, wherever it is, God, that you would dissolve that kidney stone and that, God, you would get the glory for it. But, God, if you choose not to heal miraculously like that, God, give the doctors wisdom, allow the medicines to work effectively and do what they need to do. And, God, we give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, everyone say Amen. amen. How many of you are ready to see revival in America? How many of you are ready to see fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost? I just went back to my Church of God roots. You'll have to forgive me. I want to give you some principles for finding peace in the midst of trials. The Bible says the sacrifice was washed and it was laid in the blood and it was covered with oil and then the fire fell on them. How many of you today would like to get washed afresh in the blood, covered with the oil of the Holy Spirit and get some fresh fire falling on you from heaven? So, I want to share a few things about this process. Isn't it something how often we want to fast forward to the promise, but God often takes us through a process, and it's a difficult process to endure. And we see that lived out in these sacrifices. So, number one, the offering was brought willingly. Do not miss this, church. This was called a free will offering. This offering was not given out of obligation. It was different than almost all other offerings. It was given as an act of free will. This offering was brought willingly. And you say, Pastor, what does that have to do for us today? Well, I'm glad you asked. It has quite a bit to do with you today. Because in the New Testament, Paul tells us in Romans to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord Holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. I want you to underline that in your Bibles. Reasonable service. Paul is talking about us, the believers, presenting ourselves to the Lord, holy and acceptable, with the word I want to zero in on is the word reasonable. Paul said, when you do this, you have done the reasonable thing. He said, in essence, in light of all that God has done for you, in sight of the fact that he picked you up and washed you in the blood and sanctified you and saved you and filled you with the Holy Spirit, when you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, you have done nothing extra, church. You have done the reasonable thing. Thing. Some of you think that you've done something special by saying no to temptation, actually all you've done is the reasonable thing. He said, God has been so good to you and brought you so far that it's unreasonable that you would do anything else. I wonder if there's anybody here today that when you think about the goodness of Jesus and everything that he has done for you, how far he has brought you, it would be unreasonable for you not to live for him, and it would be unreasonable for you not to give him praise. It's amazing to me that this offering was brought to the Lord willingly. In this instance, this offering is so powerful because it is something that has been given up freely and willingly. The presenter has chosen to present his offering. And I wanna tell you something today, and I want you to hear my heart. In this moment that we are living in, it is time for the church to present themselves as an offering and say, God, have your way, pour your spirit out on us, send down the fire, send down revival, we are available. Whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, however you want to empower me, use me for your glory, use me to go into the enemy's camp and take back what the devil has stolen from us. So number one, the offering had to be willing. But number two, here's where it gets serious. The offering was required to die. Because when it came to the altar, it came to the altar already dead. The bullock was slain before he ever made it to the altar. And we are are the body of Christ. And we love to hear the messages about abundant life. And we should. But nobody likes to talk about dying. Nobody talks anymore about dying to the flesh. Well, Pastor Scott, it's the way I want to live. It's my lifestyle. I want to be mad. I want to be angry. I want to have my own way. It's my body. It's my choice. But there is a time when you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I die to even what I want because I want you to have your way in my life. Church, it's not about us. We often say, I want this, and I want that, and I want this. But let me tell you, the kingdom of God is so much larger than just what you and I want. It's time for us to stop being so self-centered and so selfish that we miss what God wants to do in our life. And just in case you think that what you want for your life is greater than what God wants, I have a news flash, it's not. God wants better for you. And in order to get that, You've got to enter into his process. God's way is always the better way. If you follow God's rules, you will have an abundant life. I might get in trouble for this, but I'm going to go there. A preacher can only hold back for so long, y'all. We have so many politicians that are trying to figure out how to fix America. And here is a news flash to you, politician. The answer to our problem is in the Word of God. It's not in what the people want even, because nine times out of ten, the people don't even know what they want. And unfortunately, we have so many people today that are so immature spiritually, and that is the church's fault. That they cave to whatever sinful thoughts Satan puts in their mind. Listen, when a man is not able to look at himself and figure out that he is a man, Houston, we have a problem. Amen. Come on, Whether we like it or not... Whether we like it or not, we are called to die to our flesh, the temptations of this world. So Paul straightens everything out. That's just like old Paul. He loves to straighten us out every now and then. He straightens everything out because he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he says, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here's the phrase I want you to notice. I die Daily. He said, I have to die every day. Paul said, I don't just die. I have to die on Sunday, I have to die on Monday, I have to die on Tuesday, I have to die every single day of the week. And I'm gonna tell you, church, you may be surprised about this, but I completely understand where he is coming from. Because the flesh in me, the anger in me, the attitude in me, the part of me that wants to get offended, wants to resurrect, and wants to come back to life. So I have to say, Lord, let me die every single day. Some days I think I'm dead, and other days I am reminded I am still dying. I have a bad attitude and it signals to me that I am still dying. Tell your neighbor, don't judge me. I'm still dying. If I don't have it all right, I'm still dying. If I act out once in a while, I'm still dying. If I don't always have my attitude in check, I'm still dying. But praise the Lord that God does not get through with me when I am in the process. There are some days when I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Even this week, I have been poked and aggravated. I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm convinced that I'm dead. And then I open up Facebook and I realize that, nope, I'm not dead yet. (laughs) I read somebody's post or I hear someone saying something behind my back and I realize, nope, I am not dead yet. I hear someone talking and I realize I'm not dead yet. I thought I was dead, but then there's a part of me that wants to rise up. But don't judge me too harshly because I'm still dying. Here's what I've come to say today. And I got this just so you know from Pastor Jim Raley, so you can blame him for this one. To anyone in my life in 31 years who ever hurt me, You may not know it, but you actually have helped me. You actually helped me when you attacked me. I can't be mad at you. In fact, I need to thank you because God was only using you to kill in me what wasn't dead yet. See, some of you are still saying, I'm mad, I'm aggravated. Let me tell you what you need to do. And again, I got this from Pastor Jim Rayleigh. You need to go down to Walmart, you need to get a thank you card, stop by the Cracker Barrel and get you some gift certificates, mail it to them and say, thank you for bothering me because because if it were not for you, I would not be where God wanted me to be today. God will use them to get you where you need to be. Can I talk about dying just a little bit more? The Bible says in Isaiah 6:1, In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Did it say it just came down the center aisle? No. It said it filled the temple. Now Uzzah had ruled for about 55 years. He was the king that this prophet had known. So the prophet is feeling unrest. His life seems to be, be in shambles right now. And he doesn't know what God is doing. The Bible said in the year King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and the train of his glory filled the temple. Can I stay here for just a second? I was like... It was like the Lord said, listen, Isaiah, I know that you're worried. I know you're upset about the condition of your nation. I know you're feeling hurt because your king just died because he offered up impure worship before me. But I want to show you something. He said, even if your king is dead, the king of kings and the Lord of lords is still alive. And he is high and he is lifted up and the train of his glory fills the temple. What I want you to know, church, is that even in the midst of shambles where it seems like there is no way, I want you to know that God is still in control. He is still in control. I wanna go just a little bit deeper. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And the train of his glory didn't just come down the center aisle. It didn't just come down the middle of the church, but the train of his glory filled the temple. I've come to tell you that I am ready for the Lord to come in. And Lord, don't just come down the center aisle. Don't just come on the stage, but let the train of your glory fill this house. Let the glory fill your temple. The Bible says in the year King Uzzah died, so the question is what has to die in us for the church in America to see the Lord? We may have to die to our agendas, we may have to die to our plans, die to our divisions died to our racial divisions, died to wrong behavior, died to compromise, died to political divisions. We need to say, Father, I'm ready. Whatever you want to do, put me on your altar, have your way, send revival, pour out your spirit, and let your church rise up. So number one, the sacrifice had to die. Remember, it's in pieces at this point. Number three, the sacrifice had to be washed. This is important as it relates to this process. The washing of the sacrifice represents a principle that you don't always hear about in the church anymore. A lot of people say that, you know, that the Old Testament is no longer applicable today. It's all old news. We need to focus on the New Testament. Let me tell you something. The Old Testament is just as important because like I just said, when I read Leviticus, it helps me to understand exactly what all Jesus did for me on the cross. It helps bring into alignment for me. And so this principle is an old principle, but I'm going to tell you something. Just because it's old doesn't mean that it shouldn't be in, in practice today. It's called the principle of sanctification. I still believe in a saved, sanctified church. I still believe in sanctification. You say, well, how does sanctification work? I'm glad you asked. If you are familiar, if you have a Church of God denomination background like I have... They believe you are saved one day and then you are sanctified another day. So you get saved and then you're on your journey and then all of a sudden you're sanctified. Now I got delivered from the church of God and I came to the assemblies of God. The assemblies of God, however, believes that you are saved and then your sanctification is a progressive work. In other words, sanctification is a daily process. It's a daily choice. It's a daily choosing, as Paul said, that die daily. I have a temptation... I want to cave, but it's me choosing, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do what God wants me to do. It's a daily process. Because how many of you know, just because you come down to this altar and you give your life to Christ, when you go out these doors, Satan's on you more than he was when you came to the altar. Because he does not like the decision that you just made. You say, well, pastor, are you more church of God or are you more assembly of God? I once heard Pastor Jim Rayleigh describe it well. He said, it's according to what day it is. He said, there are some days I feel so sanctified and then somebody cuts me off in traffic or they start tailgating me. And then I realize maybe I'm not as sanctified as I thought I once was. So maybe sanctification is a progressive work. Aren't you glad that even though you're not perfect, even though everything is not how it ought to be all the time in your life, that you serve a God that will still allow you to be washed and cleansed and he will still use you for his glory. So they would take that offering and they would wash it and prepare it. It was the process of what we would call sanctification. When a priest was anointed by Moses in the very beginning, the Bible says in Leviticus 8, 6, that he washed them in water. What does that mean? It means that he washed them and prepared them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. He got them ready for what the Lord wanted them to do. But then there was something in the tabernacle called the brazen laver. And the brazen laver was made of brass mirrors, of, and it was like a basin. So when the priest was going to be used in service to the Lord, he would walk up to that laver. He would wash himself and get himself ready. It reminds me of when Moses said, I will wash you the first time, but the next time is on you. The Bible says in Ephesians five twenty six that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Amazingly, if you look at the Greek word for washing, it is the word lutron, which is the English word for labor. So Paul was saying, you don't have a brass labor, but you have a Bible. You have the word and you are saved the blood of Jesus Christ. He sanctifies you, but, you walk, but what, the way you walk in sanctification is you get out that word and you do what that word says. You look in that word when you are faced with a problem and you don't know what to do. You live your life by what that word says. The word becomes your mirror. It is your standard. It identifies the things that need to be washed away in your life. But here's the reality. We are living in a generation that wants to be saved, but they don't want to be sanctified. They want to come in and give their life to Christ and then go out the door and live like they did before they came to the altar. They don't want to wash anything off. They want to do whatever their little hearts desire. But I want to belong to a church that is willing to say, God, don't just save us. Clean up my life. But you can't do it by yourself. You've got to get in the Word. The Word is your mirror, not a denomination, not a preacher, not an evangelist. It's not a pastor. You get out that book for yourself. And if that book says marriage is between a man and a woman, friends, marriage is between a man and a woman, and that's the end of it. If that book says life is sacred, then life is sacred. If that book says racism is wrong, then racism is wrong. And you need to say, God, don't change the book change me. So many people are wanting to change what the Bible says so that it will reflect what they feel comfortable with. Uh The Bible does not need to conform to the church. We are supposed to conform to it. The church has got to be a Bible believing body. If we don't believe the Bible, then we are nothing more than a country club. If we don't believe the Bible, if we don't believe, then we are just hanging out today. It's the Bible that gives us our authority. It is the Bible that gives us our direction. But here's the issue. We've got people coming into our churches and they're messed up and they're struggling and the enemy has infiltrated their life with dirt, with compromise, but we are washed by the water of the Word. And the issue is we've got weak preachers today that draw millions of people to their churches, but they don't actually preach the Word. They preach, as Paul warned in Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. We have preachers who are afraid to stand up and preach God's Word, And when you preach false doctrine, there is not enough water to wash anybody or set anybody free. But when you get under the true word of God, you may come in bound, but you will leave set free. How many of you can say, preacher, don't give me your opinion. Don't make me feel good. Get that Bible out and tell me what the word of God says. Here's my cry today, church. Wash your church, Lord. Wash your pastors, wash me. Nothing holds back revival more than an unsanctified, unwashed church. But when a sanctified church starts praying out of their pure hearts for a revival of repentance, then we will see the spirit of God move among us and he will draw them to himself. So the sacrifice had to be willing, the sacrifice had to die, the sacrifice had to be washed. And now we're on number four. The sacrifice had to be laid in the blood. Now, this would not be popular with the world, but I'm going to tell you right up front, I believe in the power of the blood. I know some people may ask, Pastor, why do you preach that? That's so gaudy, that's so nasty. Why do you preach about the dirty? Why do you preach on the socially unacceptable things? This generation doesn't want to hear about the blood. Don't sing about the blood. Don't do communion. Don't talk to us about the blood. And I know it may aggravate some folks, but I have come to ask you this one simple question. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So whether you like it or not, we need the blood. Some may be offended by the blood, but I don't mind talking about the blood of Christ because without it, I would not be the man I am today. The blood of Christ has made all the difference for me. So don't try to hold me back from preaching on the blood. The world may not like it. Satan may not like it. But I don't do this for them. I do this for Jesus. And until every ear has heard that name above every other name, you are going to hear me say his name and talk about his blood that was sacrificed for me even when I I did not deserve it. Isn't it amazing that the sacrifice was laid in the blood? Because coming to the altar meant that if you were going to be affected, if you were going to be changed, blood had to be involved. It's impossible for us to underestimate the need for the blood of Jesus to cover us. We know as it relates to the blood that the innocent are dying for the guilty. The Bible talks about it as innocent blood. The truth is, church, God takes innocent blood very seriously. All through his word, he never forgets innocent blood. I know that this may be hard for y'all and know that I love everybody. If you've had an abortion, I'm not trying to single you out. You can put that at the cross and leave it with Jesus and know that he is willing and able to forgive you. But I want you to understand that there is a reckoning. We have 65 million children that we have aborted and the church has been too quiet. And it's time for us to say, Lord, give us your heart. Let us value the unborn. And I understand that things appear to be changing ever so slightly in this area. But church, if we are not willing to step up and adopt these children, then we have no room to celebrate today. We see the idea of innocent blood illustrated in Genesis 4 when Cain murdered Abel. And the Bible says the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. In the original Hebrew language of the Old Testament, the word blood Interestingly, is actually plural. Your brother's bloods. I want you to understand what that means. God was looking at Cain and said, Your brother's bloods. In other words, his heritage, his children, everything that he could have been down the road, everything that he should have been, everything I, I wanted him to accomplish is crying up to me from the ground. His future generations, his genealogy, they are crying out to me. Church blood has a voice you fast forward to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ God has a tender spot in his heart for Jesus and his blood and Jesus was the lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world there was something about the innocence of Jesus i'm here to tell you Jesus did not sin not one time in 33 years he never lied he never lusted he was bigger than compromise he did not sin and i want you to understand that when he died on that cross, the blood that was shed there was completely innocent blood. He did not deserve to die. He did not deserve the punishment. He could have easily saved himself, but he chose to endure for our sake. Let me remind you of the beauty of this. When you look at Abel, Abel was innocent. And when his blood leaked to the ground, the blood of, the word of God tells me his blood cried out And God heard the voice of Abel's blood. God heard that blood cry to him because it was innocent blood. And I want to give you a beautiful passage today. Hebrews 12, 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So thankful for that. And to the sprinkled blood. The sprinkled blood is the blood of Jesus that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I'm telling you, the blood of innocent Abel called out. There was a voice attached to that blood, and God heard it. And it touched the heart of God. But when I, read about, when I read Hebrews 12, 24, the word of God is telling me that if Abel's blood cried out, how much more does the blood of Jesus Christ cry out? And if God can hear Abel's blood, how much more does he hear the blood of the Lamb? That blood that flowed down that cross, that flowed down that tree into a puddle, started talking to the Father. Scripture tells us that His blood spoke better things. You say, Pastor Scott, what do you mean? What does that have to do with me today? I'm glad you asked. The blood has everything to do with you if you are saved. Are there any saved people here in the house today? The blood had everything to do with you, and you being here today. See, all the way back in Egypt, when the children of Israel were in bondage, the Lord said, take blood, take innocent blood, put it on the doorpost, both sides, and on the top, and when destruction comes, when the danger comes, when the death comes, when the devil comes, when he tries to break into the door, he's going to have to hear a sound. And when he hears that sound, the sound will be the blood and the blood will say you can't come into this house you cannot have my family you cannot have my son you cannot have my daughter you cannot have my spouse i plead the blood of jesus over them so let me help you out when you don't know what to say just stand there and let the blood do the talking for you say blood talk for me, talk for my children, talk for my family. The devil can hear the voice of the blood. I believe he could hear Abel's blood crying out and I believe he hears the blood of Jesus today. If you are in a desolate situation and you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do, let me tell you what to do, friends. If I were you, I would shut my mouth and let the blood of Jesus do the talking for you. Some of you have been talking doubt and fear and negativity over your family. Can I offer this suggestion? Shut your mouth and let the blood open up his mouth and speak on your behalf. Amen. If we could hear the blood, we would know that Jesus is speaking on our behalf. God knows where you are. God knows everything about your life. The blood of Jesus cries out for mercy, for redemption, for breakthrough. It cries out against death, discord, danger, and destruction. Study the Old Testament tabernacle. The blood was sprinkled everywhere. It was sprinkled over the bread. It was sprinkled over the mercy seat. It was sprinkled over the candlestick. It was everywhere. It was a bloody mess, friends. I don't know about you, but I want the blood everywhere. I want it over my family. I want it over my nation. I want it over my church. See, God hears the blood, but God also sees the blood. God sees the blood, not your color, not your denomination, not even your past. God looks at the blood, and that's why he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The blood is referred to 447 times in the Bible. You need to apply it to your family. Apply it to your children. I want you to apply it to that lost son or daughter. And when you apply it, that blood begins to speak. If you have a lost child, I apply that blood of Jesus to that son, to that daughter, and I declare that the blood will speak up on their behalf right now. I declare that the blood will protect, and I call them into the kingdom in Jesus' name. So to wrap up today, the sacrifice had to be willing. The sacrifice had to die, and it had to lay in blood. And now I'm closing. Praise team, please join me on the platform if you will. I love the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000. When he fed the 4,000. In both of these instances, he instructed his followers to pick up what they had left. I'm talking about having peace in the midst of your trials. See, we want the pieces that are nice. We want the pieces that are whole. But Jesus specializes in picking up the broken pieces. You would have never made it had he not picked you up in your brokenness. Had he not picked you up in your brokenness, you would still be a mess. He said, pick up the broken pieces and go to the other side. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm going to tell you I am going to the other side. If I have to go with broken pieces, if I have to go all by myself, I am going to where Jesus is. I'm going to the other side even if I have to go messed up. How many of you know that Jesus allows us to come just as we are? (laughs) Just as we are. We don't have to get our life straightened up. He just offers us to come just as you are. I will handle that. Don't worry. 12 basketfuls, but the fact is, it was full of broken pieces and they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, Jesus comes walking on the water. They think they're about to die in the storm, but Jesus is walking over top of what is trying to kill them. Then in another story, Jesus is in the boat asleep. They wake him up and they say, Master, we are in a storm. Do you not even care? We are about to die. And Jesus said, how long will I tarry with you? Do you not remember the miracles? of the loaves and the fishes. He said, look around the boat. All your broken pieces tell you that I am faithful. I have never left you and I will never leave you. All your broken pieces tell you that I have never failed you. And he stepped out and he said, peace be still. Maybe your life, friend, is full of broken pieces, but let me tell you, don't let the devil rob you of your praise because your broken pieces need to remind you that God has been faithful. He's been good to you and he will step out and he will say, peace be still. Well, pastor, this has been a tough year. It's been a tough season. I've lost loved ones due to COVID My family is broken, my heart is broken, my marriage is broken, my career is broken, it's failing, my dream is broken. I look around and all I see is destruction. What do you have to say for me? I thought it would be different, but it's just all broken. It's all in shambles. I know this season has been a season where a lot of people have been broken. I do not wanna make light of that. But I believe that if Jesus could step out on the bow of that boat in the midst of broken pieces and say, peace, then he can speak peace into the trials of your life. What's the price? Here's the price. You and I have to be willing to enter into the process. Our process, no, it's God's process. And sometimes that's gonna mean that he's gonna have to break us a little bit. And that's not comfortable, and that's not easy. But here's what I can tell you, and I'm young, I have not been walking this road for very long, but here's what I will offer you. Every single time that God breaks me, and I'm in that valley, I learn so much about God. I learn his true character, I learn who he is, and he sticks to me closer than a brother. When everyone else seems to abandon, there he is. He's not just with you on the mountaintops, He is there with you in the valley. What's the price? Enter into God's process. Come to the Lord and come willing. Come saying, God, my way has not worked, but your way has never failed. Be willing. Say, Lord, wash me, lay me in the blood, pour on the oil, and let the fire fall and cleanse me today if you're ready for the fire to fall i just want you to lift up your hands now listen i don't think there's anything wrong in giving god a clap offering and if that's what you feel led to do please do so But I would like you to give God praise by lifting your hands and surrender and praising Him out of your mouth. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, use your heavenly language right now. Speak to Him. Speak to Him with your mouth and give Him praise out of your lips. I need you to give God praise if you want to see God move in America. If you want to see God If you want to see God move in these altars, I need you to praise God right now because he is able to take the pieces of our life and make something great out of them. I have lived too long, God, not to believe that you are capable. And God, we all know we have loved ones that are not saved. And God, we plead the blood of Jesus over them. And we ask the power of your Holy Spirit that you would draw them to your altar, that you would draw them to yourself. God, our country needs revival. God, it is, they are turning to their own selfish ways, and whatever makes us feel comfortable, then that's what we will do. If it's not socially acceptable, then we don't talk about it. But God, your word is our standard. There is no other standard that we can go by. So God, I pray, Lord, for a fresh anointing, a fresh revival, a fresh fire, a fresh holy water experience, God, with you in our nation, Father. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Father, we praise you with lifted hands today. And we praise you with lifted hearts. God, we are your church. We are your people. And we repent, Lord, of our selfish, sinful desires. God, your way has always been the best way. Your ways are always higher than ours. We submit to your process today. Father, we see our country turning its back on you in so many ways. But today, God, we ask for you to send revival to this great land. Awaken your people. Allow even those that are not following you to be drawn to you and to your altar. Help your church to be receptive of everyone that comes through these doors because God, we all had to come down to the altar at some point and we were messed up when we came to the altar. But God, help us to receive them as they come into your church, Lord. Help us to be receptive. We don't know how they're gonna come in. They may come in messed up. They may come in broken. They may come in on drugs. But God, help us to accept them as they are so that you can do the work that only you can do. Father, Oscar, I Oscar ask that you would again be with Pastor today. We pray for a miracle. We pray, Lord, that you would just dissolve that stone completely because we know that is not beyond your ability. But, God, if you choose to work to the doctors and the, and the medicines, God, allow them to work the way they need to, God. Use them for your glory. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.